0: Welcome back, pod people, to a brand new episode of Cinema de Moray. My name is Justin Morgan. I'm here with Chuck
1: and Lexi, and we
0: are finishing up our director's theme with one-time directors. We each picked a director who has only done one movie. That's it. So you'll get three directors, three weeks in a row. Chuck seems pretty damn excited about it so
2: i think we all are it wasn't yeah i mean that was that was the easiest you know nothing nothing too complicated about this one
0: yeah i mean we've managed to do directors all year long so why not finish it off with some directors yeah it
2: makes sense
1: i think we have a nice diverse mix of directors for this too
2: oh yeah they're very different movies the one common theme here is going to be these movies were all massive failures for different reasons and that's the reason that these people only made one film and it's like i feel like that's going to be every episode is like now why did this movie fail and and cause the director to not be able to make any more movies
0: i mean i guess i could have went with a director that got murdered or something so they didn't get (laughs) that that was
2: the only reason they did one film
1: i definitely want to know why this guy didn't make more movies the one that we're covering today
2: it's exactly what Chuck said.
1: That's insane.
2: It was just such a failure that he that he couldn't do it anymore.
0: We're going chronological here. So my movie's first. And I'm going with The Night of the Hunter by uh, Charles Lawton. It's like Chuck said, this guy did one movie in the mid-50s. And when it first came out, it was just a total flop. And critically, people hated it too. It was like all around hated and wasn't making any money.
2: Nobody liked this movie.
0: He's an actor first, before he was a director, but, I mean, he dies a couple years after this movie. I think it's not even a decade later and the guy's dead.
1: That could also be a common theme, that they start out as an actor and then direct. Because I know the next one is in the same kind of ballpark.
0: I think that might be honestly what helped him, because he was in the movies of a lot of prolific directors, like Hitchcock.
2: I mean, that was one of Hitchcock's worst films, but... I mean, he still saw. But he was guy. in. Yeah, he was. He was in a Hitchcock film, though, even though it was one like probably in his bottom 10 films.
0: Well, you got to think about this. He's watching these directors work.
2: Mind you
0: that it is a weird time for Hitchcock because he's in this movie with Hitchcock just a few years before. It's not really Hitchcock's like
2: that was big... his last British movie, I think. So it was like right before he left for America. So, yeah, his heart wasn't all the way in it, I don't think.
0: No, what? I mean, he got a taste of actually seeing what a good director could be. I mean, I guess it, you're right. It's a failure. But you're seeing another reason that this movie turns out so well is that he gets a good screenwriter. He gets a good cinematographer. It's a good collaborative movie. And I think that he's learned that from probably being an actor, although it really does suck that. I mean, I don't know what he died from. I did not look it up, but I think he made this in his mid 50s. So his career took off late, but it is a very well-loved movie nowadays. Like it is something that gets brought up a lot. It ends up on, you know, the Sight and Sounds hundred best movies of all time.
2: Speaking of which, I think they said they're two days away from announcing
0: the new one, the new top one hundred.
2: Gotta see if Vertigo keeps its spot.
0: I did see them update their Facebook page: the greatest of all time. So you are right; it is probably coming. Yeah, I saw it was earlier. They had
2: it two days away.
1: I didn't want to look anything up about this director or anything because I wanted to ask you for the yeah. show. And I was Who? Like, watching me. Yeah. Well, you guys, both of you, because <laughs> like I watched this movie. This movie's brilliant. I didn't want to watch it going into it. And after going, like finishing it, how did this guy not make more movies? How did this not? do well because it was like fucking brilliant it was really well done it was incredibly sh- well shot the acting was all top-notch it's hard to work with kids i thought the kids were great i was like not expecting what you gave me like i was expecting a completely different kind of movie i know we haven't explained the film or the plot but i was just shocked That's okay this 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 was his only film and i'm like i'm actually surprised i would never heard of this movie before or had it brought up before it seems like it should be more important than it is.
0: There's two callbacks in this movie to other movies that we covered this year. Yeah. One's very obvious, and the other ones maybe a little, a subtle. little, a little bit more subtle. Do you know what they are, Lexi? You should have caught one of them.
2: Yeah, you're on one for sure. No. Oh, uh, Lexi. Come on. Well, you know, okay. It's the most uh, obvious there's one.
1: The, the love and the hate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he's got Eddie's got that in Rocky Horror. That's one of those things that you see in everything
0: it's not things that you see in everything it is completely ripped it is verbatim
2: line an... for line it's a it's a oh, shot for right. shot line for line <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck Rereading. was that movie too I don't, I don't remember,
1: remember. me <laughs> i'm disappointing myself because now that you're saying it, i can remember it on the fingers i was like oh i had little small writing on the fingers
2: radio rahim
1: ah a little little you're staring at my fingers Would you like me to tell you The story
2: of right hand, left hand It's a tale of good and evil Hate H-A-T-E It was with this hand that came Struck the blow that laid his brother low Love L-O-V-E You see these fingers, dear hearts These fingers has veins that run Straight to the soul of man The right hand The hand of love
0: Now watch and I'll show you the story of life
2: The story of life is this These fingers Dear hearts is always a war and then a tugging one against the other. Now watch him. Your left hand is kicking much ass. I mean, it looks like the right hand love is finished. But Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop the presses. The right hand's coming back. Dog loves winning. Yes, sir. Yeah, he got the left hand on the ropes now. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, it's a devastating right and hand is dirt. It's love that one. And old left-hand hate is down for the count. Down! Oh! Oh, left-hand hate chaos by love.
1: I never heard it better told.
2: Yes. Yeah, he's got the the rings.
1: I was wondering, the love and the hate on this movie, is that the first time that a film's presented that? Because the character felt like, almost like an origin of the love and hate
2: on the fingers. I'm sure other people had it before that. Like, like I'm sure it's like an old timey thing, but I feel like, yeah, this is probably the first time in like film or television that it was like, I feel like that's probably got to be something that it for 1955 to show a character with tattoos on his hands. Right. That's what I was thinking for anyone.
0: I can't think of seeing tattoos ever really
2: in films unless it was like some unless they were like
0: the 1950s they get like a heart tattoo on their arm or yeah, something yeah unless
2: someone was like pointing out like a sailor that had like an anchor or something in like some war movie like i feel like it's the only time you would have seen that but yeah to, to have a character walking around with tattoos on his hands in the 50s is like such a such a weird thing to think about now cuz it's so when common the character
1: that has them he's also incredibly brutal and that becomes commonplace in film and television even when you're parroting it Like, whenever you have, like, Looney Tunes had characters that had that shit written on their hands, like, all the time when you knew you were dealing with, like, a bad character or something like that. Simpsons does it, that kind of shit.
0: Right. And, I mean, he hides behind religion, too. So, I mean, I I can see why people had uh, issues with it. The other one is a Western that we did. Was I part
1: of that? No. Okay, good.
0: It's a song that Mitchum sings. His theme song. It comes up a lot in the True Grit remake.
1: I was about to say, I think it's True Grit, because that was the western that you guys covered.
0: And I wouldn't be surprised, obviously didn't watch this in enough time to ask Ethan, (laughs) that'd be my one question to him. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled it specifically from this movie. Yeah, I I feel like they would have to, yeah. I mean, it's a popular song. It's been in a couple things. But just like the way that they do their callbacks, I wouldn't be surprised if it came from something more prolific like The Night of the Hunter.
1: So I have a weird question. And the We have cinematographer answers. for this. Yeah, um, is this the same cinematographer as um, To Kill a Mockingbird? Maybe. You have IMDb
0: like we do, but <laughs> I, I I know he was working with. Um,
2: he did the magnificent Ambersons. RKO. What's that? He did the magnificent Ambersons. Yeah, that was like his big thing that he did before this.
0: So there you go. He worked with Orson Welles. He did not do I just To Kill the... a Mockingbird.
1: Oh, okay. I just thought like, the cinematography in this was very similar to Kill a Mockingbird, the way that, that shot, So, which is it's... actually one of my favorite movies.
0: The shots in this are really interesting because it does not feel like a movie from the 1950s. And No, not at it's all. Not the, it feels it's older. not the fact. It does feel a lot older. It It's like... Oh my god. I I don't even know exactly how to describe it. Obviously the lighting is noir, so it does get the noir elements that people bring up. And it's a horror movie, I would say before anything else. Maybe a thriller if you want to call it that.
1: It's got like parallels to like something like Cape, Cape Fear or something like that.
0: Well, it's the same <laughs> it's
1: the same actor. Is it? Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh I actually I know that, I don't think anyone's seen it but there's a noir western that I watched with Mitchum and it's called uh, Blood on the Moon and it was really good so we might cover that at some point too. Uh Mitchum I think has only played a good character like twice. <laughs> He's yeah. always like a terrible person.
2: Very yeah, very
0: rarely. And you talk about influence too when I watched this watched his performance in this. It had extreme like it reminded me a lot of Death Proof of the character oh, yeah. that yeah, yeah exactly that. Plays.
1: absolutely yeah he is that he's like just never stops talking and he's <laughs> just talking about bullshit all the time and confuses you and charms you and he right, tries to be a tough like, guy he...
2: but he's at the moment that someone inflicts pain on him he's like immediately screaming like a baby
0: yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's not like he's okay with being weird he's not always a frightening person but like i was just think the only thing that i don't uh, i don't buy with him and like I guess it could, it came off fine in the scene, but there's a moment where he's like pretending to cry and they're like all like, oh, I feel so bad for him. I'm like, that guy does not look like he was crying at all.
1: His story <laughs> that he has for why he has his tattoos on his hands is fucking terrible too. <laughs> and he like loves telling it. he's like, want to hear why I have these tattoos?
0: Well, that's, that, that's great too, because the first time that you get it, everyone's really impressed with his like oh that's great you need to be doing sermons like that that's wonderful and the second person's like i don't care about this fucking story <laughs> there's something odd about you and i can i can smell it i guess that like the the primal fear aspect of it where you know you got to protect the little ones
1: so what is the plot of this movie
0: what is the plot of it this is a movie about a boy whose father had in the Great Depression, had robbed a bank, and while he's being chased by the police, he makes it home, and he hides his ten thousand dollars, which is a lot of money at the time, and he tells his kids to keep it a secret. He ends up going to jail, and he is sentenced for murder because he murdered two people, and he's put in the in the same jail cell as this creepy, pat preacher guy that uh, Mitchum plays. And the guy talks in his sleep and Mitchum knows that he, ha- he still has this money somewhere. And Mitchum's character, which you, you know he's not a great person because he's some sort of con man. You pick that up very early on as he's talking to God. So he's he already allowed talks to about have...
2: murdering like in the first five minutes that he's on screen <laughs> when he's like, how many have we killed? God, like 12, 20. I don't know. He,
0: Yeah, he says like 12. But at the end of the movie, they're like 25 or something. Yeah. It's it's pretty high. But it is scary because it's like it's so creepy. The guy, the dad, the father, who seems like a decent person, even though he's murdered two people. Mitchum's trying to get him to speak in his sleep and trying to tell him where the money is hid. And I like his little switchblade that he has. And the guy is not afraid at all that he'll hurt him. (laughs) He's just like, get out of here. How'd you get that thing in? He's like, I snuck it in. Which I assume he had up his ass. I mean, there's no really (laughs) other place that he could have hit that that (laughs) switchblade. But uh, his MO is that he finds widows. And he takes them for everything that he can. And this one is specifically exciting because he knows that there's at least 10 grand somewhere and he finds out pretty early on because the son lets it slip essentially that he knows where this money is at and the guy's like you know i'm gonna become your daddy and he becomes his stepdad and he does kind of like con the adults which i think is interesting and the kids Man, he
1: gets that one woman she's fucking <laughs> on love with him which one the one that marries the old old lady (laughs) the old woman makes the woman marry her him for fuck's sake she's Um, like no you can't do any better you need a husband because she's like i don't think i want to remarry i don't think i need another husband i think i'm fine on my own and she's like you're an idiot you need to have a husband it's a completely necessary part of being a woman and yeah i mean it's got
0: really cool perspective too like it follows the kids mostly so you get that little bit of her pushing that idea of like, you should marry this guy. You should marry this guy. And before the son gets the actual information, he walks by the shop that his mom's working at. And you could tell like she's showing off the ring and she's so excited that she's been proposed to. And the guy God, I mean, you know, he's a bad person, but he just keeps getting worse throughout the entire movie to the point that you're like, he's going to fucking kill these kids. But that would he's that really is the sleazy. essential that is the essential uh setup of the movie. And then yeah. it just goes
1: downhill from there.
2: I do like the, uh, the scene where yeah. like after they get married and they're and she's like she's like, Oh now, now I have a new husband. I I better go uh guess we're gonna we're gonna get in bed and make love on our wedding night and he has like that weird thing where he's like he like reaches like and she thinks he's like gonna take her hand and he's like, Close that window <laughs> And it's just like real like real like rude and like, what do you think? I was just going to be in here and just fall all over you like those other morons.
1: That's an interesting aspect of him, too, is um, you aren't 100 percent sure if sex is even an interest to this person at all. Like, I know he's got the preacher moniker, but like
0: at least not heterosexual sex.
1: Is yeah, he doesn't seem to, the to guy. be interested in like any sort of like sex or anything either
2: which is it's, well i think it's i think that's fairly obvious there's there's very much a, his switchblade is very much a symbol uh when he's like in the in the theater watching the, the burlesque <laughs> yeah, yeah. show and it like like when she starts like dancing and stuff like that and then like his switchblade pops out and he's just like it comes out of his pocket he's like oh ah, no i can't do that here like it's like every time he starts to get like get, like excited that's when he like flips his knife out so it's you that's very much seems to be a symbol so yeah i i do believe that he truly does believe that's a sin. Like, it, I don't think like the, he's, so he's not a like a real, killer. I don't think he's a real preacher, but I think he does have that. Like, probably, I don't he's think probably he's a like, real preacher. Yeah, either. I, I, I might, you know, I might just think he might be making that up, but like, I, I guess I think they I think his character is probably supposed to be like showing like the signs of schizophrenia. Like he truly does believe that he's talking to God and like he hears voices in his head. Cause he mentions that multiple times. Like he, he tells the kid like, like, hold on hold on son god's talking to me what's that god kill him
0: the knife's also the first thing that the wife finds that is like her red flag of the guy
2: it's not even a red flag she just goes oh boys and knives. yeah that's yeah. not it's even a thing. red flag it,
0: it's a red flag if you ignore it. i mean you could choose to ignore it like she does guys and their knives but yeah he's like what are you trying to do whore i'm we're not you're not gonna you don't want to make any more kids do you because i don't have sex for pleasure
1: I think you made a good comparison when you brought up Death Proof, and that he's very similar to Kurt Russell's character in that way.
2: Which I'm sure Tarantino's another one like the Cohens. Yeah, I'm sure he's. he's I was watched that, that movie a million times, and like, I like I didn't even think I needed to say it. I was it.
1: like, clearly Quentin Tarantino has seen this yeah. movie and has some sort of affinity for it. I'm like, it's from the '50s. I'm like, guys, definitely like got some kind of thing for it. No question. I mean,
0: it's so violent too. The movie it's is really violent. Incredibly it's violent. actually
1: kind of shockingly violent. Cause I think that's a thing that got me too, was that it's a 1950s movie. And I was like, it's really over the top for a film from this era. Like he's, he's sadistic. He's ruthless. He pursues endlessly. Like he doesn't stop hunting the kids down. He doesn't like, sleep. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't they, <laughs> which they talk about that. They're like, he never fucking sleeps.
0: Like, That like that is a funny moment, too, where it's like he's singing his song and you just see the silhouette of him on the horse and the kid's like, does this guy ever sleep? And it does kind of follow through into what we, you know, we associate with the slashers from the 80s. It's like these guys just keep going and going and going. And Henry Powell is the first character that's like it, I guess.
1: This isn't even the first time I've seen a preacher character who pursues you and sings while he's pursuing you in horror and stuff like that. Like it's a fairly common trope at this point.
0: He's he's scary in so many ways because he doesn't just intimidate the kids; like he turns the entire town into a, a cult essentially.
1: He's, he's charismatic. So like, and then he tur- then the
0: cult turns into a mob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: just, well, and that's he, that's he drives everything with this like hard charisma and then uses religion, which is easy to keep, keep people listening when you have like that religion background. So I'm a preacher. So people will already like perk up and listen to you a little bit more. And then it's especially in that time period. And then on top of that, like he's spinning yarns that just like win people over. And then he's got the whole town under his thumb. So no one's going to listen to the kids. That guy's so nice.
0: (laughs) My wife left me in the middle of the night. I think she's coming back. Not according to the note. You have the note. I
2: burned it, but I'm yeah. very certain she is not coming back. Yeah, it burned away all the proof. Yeah, that's also. A, a, this movie has some great like effects shots for 1955. Like the the car at the bottom of the lake. It looks great. Oh my god, that looks the, so like, good. The like and a lot of the tricks are like so basic. Like it, they basically just took a mannequin and made a, a mold of Shelley Winter's face to put on it to make it look like to make it look like a real a real body but it feels like for how old this film is that that it looks very realistic and then the uh i was reading another thing they talked about some of the effects they did in the scene where he's riding the horse and it's the silhouette while he's singing his song and the kids are in the barn Mm -hmm. is just a forced perspective shot and it's a little person riding a pony like it's not it's supposed to look like he's like he's like you know like half a mile away and you can just barely see him on the horizon, but it's like, it's just a forced perspective shot. Uh, So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of weird things that I was reading about this film that, that, yeah, I don't like very, very clearly like Charles Lawton and the people around him were trying to do some very interesting things that they were going for. And I know uh, he said like another technique that he used was he, because he had started, I think probably around when they were doing silent films when he first started becoming an actor and he shot this like a silent film where he would just like let the reels just keep going. Like he didn't just say cut and stop every time they like went off. He just let it go until it ran out of film and then load up the next reel and just keep filming until it ran out so that like he wouldn't like lose the flow of filming or having to stop and re restart the scenes and everything. It was like, Oh, it's just constantly filming. Like just keep going and uh, I know another thing he said he shot with the editor and the composer being on set for the entire filming which is another like I, which I love the music in this film I feel like it shows to, to have the composer just sitting there and like okay like like watch this scene how I'm filming it and then tell me how you do the score and what kind of music would you put here
0: yeah I, and I'd say that's fairly unusual too that the composers on not it I mean it happens where they visit but I mean, I doubt that John Williams is there most of the time watching these movies happen live. Yeah. I but mean they probably is, ad- Spielberg invites them for yeah, a day.
2: I'm sure yeah, I'm sure they visit the set or are there for certain times, but and yeah, this film is a very musical film for being a horror film. It plays like not just well, the Well he's got such a beautiful voice. score. Yeah, not not just the score, but yeah, they have we've constantly got like characters singing hymns and like, children's songs in the background to set things up.
0: Or the Uh, guy that's singing, like, sea shanties uh, on the river. Yeah,
2: It's
1: funny, because, like, you look at that as, like, modern horror uses all that stuff, like, as tropes. You know what I mean? Like, people running around and singing all the time or singing, like, gospel or singing, like, hymns and stuff like that. It's, like, shit that, like, bad guys do and like, horror movies and shit nowadays. uh, It's interesting how so many movies that are made that are actually, like, groundbreaking in film and, like, something that people, like, will talk about and use for, like, the the rest of, like, film history. When they come out, they always fail. Like, <laughs> they're always, like, box office failures or, like, destroy the corrector's career or something like that. And then it's, like, 20 years down the road, we're looking Sometimes at it. And things
0: like, come uh-huh. out at, like, the wrong time, you know? Uh, I feel like war has a heavy effect on movies and the type of things that are being released and you know world war 2 wasn't too far ahead of this and you know that you just people probably were like I don't want to think about the great depression I don't want I want to go to the movies to enjoy myself and they have this character that is blatantly a sadistic killer there's not even most movies some movies would play around with it i think of something like Shadow of a Doubt where it's like, he's a bad guy, right? He ha like he has to be a bad person. And this is like right off the right out of the gate. We know that he's <laughs> killed this woman. We see her body. It's not as gruesome as the um I don't know what to call him. The the boat guy. It's not as gruesome as he describes. He's like, Her throat was cut the fuck open. And I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> um it was not I don't think it was cut open, but it, it was not it was gruesome to see her there, like, lifeless, and even if it's a you know mannequin, like you said.
1: It comes out of nowhere, too, because, like, you yeah. know that something's happened to her, and then all of a sudden, here's a corpse sitting in a car in the middle of the lake, and you're like, oh, my God, I did not anticipate this. And they hold on the shot a really long time, so you really get, like, time to take that in and really look at the whole scenario, like you said, which is beautifully shot. Well, they had to do the
0: fishing hook shot how many times. <laughs>
1: Is that actually underwater? Did they shoot underwater? Oh wow. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I do like like, it's so clear when it's
0: when it's his point of view looking down in the water, like it's like crystal clear water. Yeah. Which is not accurate for this area. Because this thing takes place in West Virginia. He gets locked up in Moundsville prison and they actually do have shots of the real Moundsville prison, even though this was all filmed out in California. It felt a little too southern for West Virginia, but West Virginia is also kind of—I mean, (laughs)
2: kind of southern. Southwest Pennsylvania is pretty southern for as far north as we we, are. So, yeah, you're right about that. But uh, West
1: Virginia is pretty southern. Like, it's pretty redneck. Any, if if anything, it's uh, well.
0: Like, I when I was I was trying to describe this thing, and I was just seeing the genres that people consider it southern gothic came up too and it's like it was southern gothic before that was actually um yeah a term. i could see that i mean film noir was the same way and didn't have that term for years just everyone liked the hard lighting and detective stories
2: yeah and this is i know that's why he said that uh he wanted to work with the, that cinematographer because he did the magnificent ambersons and he said he loved how sharp everything was which i know that was like a huge A huge thing with Orson Welles and that's a big thing with Citizen Kane about how like all those shots are super sharp. They're not they're not out of focus like everything's really really tight looking and this does have some really yeah this does have some really good uh, like really fun shots to see like the that getting towards the end where the he's sitting outside the house of Rachel the woman that takes Mm -hmm. in all these children and she's just a black shadow against the the screen sitting there with a shotgun and he's just sitting way out in the field but he's still very much in focus like he doesn't look blurry you can very clearly see his face and all the details but what about that both, like, lovely horror inside. moment
0: too where the kid comes with the light and you can't see his ref- his uh, silhouette anymore and yeah when she blows it out he's gone that is like such a, a slasher a horror moment. Thing. yeah
1: it was like Myers fighting against Jamie Lee Curtis. I do like when he
0: shows up. And so the money that they hid, they obviously hid it. I think first time watching it, you you know where this money's hid. It's in the little girl's doll that they put in. And I actually kind of like that because she's always carrying it around. So it's like, this does this little kid lose this thing? And it is sitting there when he shows up at the, I guess the orphanage is what I would call it. I don't know. What the, she's not, she's more like a collector. It's like a foster, children. I don't, a foster. Yeah. Like a foster mom, a parent's house or something. When he goes after that kid, when he, the, he was chasing the kid underneath the porch and she came out with that shotgun and like taps him with it before he realizes what it is. And he almost <laughs> runs away like a cartoon. He does it a few times where he's yeah. very cartoonish it's after he comes back late at night, and she like scare. he like, ha- he runs off to the barn, and the other one was I thought when, when they when he comes up the
2: stairs and they slam the door on his fingers.
0: Yeah, they smash him in the head with a bunch of jars, and then he he's like, I don't it's know. Like very,
2: it's almost Home Alone esque, <laughs> like like what he yeah when he gets hit in the head with stuff, and then yeah when he get when they slam the door on his fingers, and he's like, it's not ow, like ow. Daniel,
0: Daniel Stern's like ah yeah. my fingers yeah, yeah exactly.
1: But it shows like how weak the character actually is. And the, even though he's like created this facade of like intimidation that at his core, he's a fucking wiener,
2: which, it, yeah, I think, I think the other like way to notice that is that everyone, everyone in this film seems to either like be in love with him or he's always like intimidating people. But every, every time we see him like intimidating people, it's always kids and women. Like the one time with, uh, like how Justin was saying when they're when he's in prison with the kid's father and even when he like pulls out the switchblade that kid's dad's like get out of here like he knows he's not really going to do anything like he he 100 percent is like is like I can tell this guy is not an actual like like he's not going to do anything to he's me not because a I am yeah he's yeah he's he wouldn't actually try to take me on because it would be a it wouldn't be a an uneven fight like he only he only preys on widows and children
1: well then it shows a little boy is more of a man than him Cause he has a lot more strength and fortitude than this character ever does throughout the film.
2: Yeah. And then I, I, I really like when they get into the, the finale, the, the last like half hour of this film, when, when they finally get to, yeah, that like foster home that that woman's raising those kids in and, and, uh, they, they play that as like the, the two opposing, that's when it like really goes into like, uh, a very strong, like good versus evil, like biblical level, that you know we get the fake the fake preaching from the robert mitchum character
0: what does it remind it, you of? It, it reminds me very specifically of another story
2: yeah right it always has a, another story to tell uh, it, it makes
0: me think of the stand
2: yeah yeah the final the, it does it does feel like those could be like yeah rachel could be mother abigail and harry powell could be randall flag
1: i think that the um Girl, the woman who takes the orphans in—I think she deserved more screen time. We could have spent more time with that character because she's actually really interesting. There's a lot going on. There's layers, but we don't get enough time. She her almost starts really as like her. an
0: out-of-body narrator. Yeah. It, it 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 it. The beginning of this movie kind of reminds me of *It's a Wonderful Life*. Like it starts in s- space, in
2: the stars, yeah,
0: <laughs> with the floating kid heads and <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's creepier than it is endearing in that moment. And I think when you finally do meet her, she kind of has a reputation of of being like this cranky, very strict woman, but which I kind of like because she has the opposite character arc that Mitchum has, which is that she comes off as like icy and cold. And you find out that she's like the most loving person that there could possibly be. And she's there to protect these kids. Well, nothing that
1: comes out of her mouth matches her actions. So like you (laughs) said, like she's always like talking, she never shuts up, but she's not, she's not saying anything nice either. She's always like being negative, but she's always like handing you something with the other hand. So
0: she comes off as kind of negative in the beginning, but like you can tell that she's really looking out for all, for all of them. Like particularly where it ends with the Christmas, you know, there you go. That was unplanned. I forgot about the Christmas movie. I always, movie? I always forget that the, It's like, a Christmas I, I've movie. I've seen this movie so many there you times, go.
2: and I always forget it ends at Christmas. <laughs>
0: it's really I remember a Christmas the scene where everything snowed on, and I remember the gifts, but I
1: just, I for some reason, it's just, yeah,
0: I don't know. nothing like else I said, really I, feels yeah. Christmassy about it. Because even when they no. do their shopping,
1: it's not a Christmas movie. It's just got Christmas in it. There's a difference. That's a Christmas movie. Because it has no. I am not having this discussion right now. That's why Die Hard's you a Christmas movie. You brought it movie. up. It's not a fucking Christmas movie. It is Batman's not a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. No, it is No.
0: You're it right. Is it, not. it isn't a Christmas movie. Batman Returns is a Christmas movie.
2: Yeah, you got me there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you Batman Returns over fucking Die Hard. Uh Die Hard's like a really is the... <laughs> a Christmas movie though? No, it is not. It's not a Christmas movie. It's a movie that happens the at Christmas time. The whole thing is
0: it 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 all happens because of Christmas. No, it <laughs> I mean it's part of the plot and the catalyst get, and it's, it's why the he's there to begin with.
2: There's a jolly fat guy looking out for our hero. It's a Christmas movie. Exactly.
1: So, I like the girl who's trying to sleep with the boys in town. I thought she was a good character. Ru- Ruby yeah Ruby she's a major (laughs) but she was
0: attracted to Robert Mitchum for some reason
1: she's attracted to just about anything that'll pay for her was what it came down to she was like clearly someone who had no parents and this is how she's been getting by and the temporary parent is trying to like stop her from behaving that way because she's been doing it for so long but it's hard to break old habits but I really liked her I thought she was a good character she fucks them over, though. It's her fault for everything.
2: Hey, she can't. I mean, that's another Mitchum's reason that the... irresistible.
0: Yeah. Well, the screen time's really well used because the only outside story that you seemingly get is her story, but it, you only get her story because that is how H- Henry Powell finds them.
1: So it's forced interaction.
0: It's not a forced she... interaction. It's just a like you watch these movies where sometimes it'll give you pieces of information and it doesn't follow a character that's the main character. It uses its time wisely. Cause you don't even really see a lot of it. It's this interaction with the boys. So she goes back on Thursday or whatever where they're, I don't know. These boys never leave the, the wall that they hang out on and they just slut shame people. <laughs> and um, yeah, all M- Mitchum just shows up and says like, I'll buy you some ice cream. And she's like sold and that's all you really need to know, to know that like he's gonna find out where they're at. The only thing though is like as good as the movie is, I, I don't really get to see the character's smoothness play out from the actor as much as the other characters just buying into everything. Like he's creepy, and that older woman, Icy, is like, oh, he's wonderful,
1: right? But I feel like, I feel like in that situation, like. If we look at that moment, the old woman also seems to kind of push everyone around. Like her husband clearly has no say in anything. And the mother of the kids clearly really didn't have a say in anything. Because every time she would express her own opinion, this old woman would come in and say, you're fucking stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. It's this. And this is the answer. You're just going to accept that because nobody wants to like fight with her
0: henry powell's trying to kill these kids and she busts in with her food
1: (laughs) right but like she she seems to be the one that's won over by him and everybody else seems skeptical of him but because she's so won over by him and they don't want to go against her they just kind of accept that he's a good guy and my wife's not an idiot, she clearly knows, this kind of stuff, but like, the husband shows in that one scene when they're talking in the their store or whatever, he's kind of very skeptical of, of him and that stuff and it just kind of, <laughs> he shuts his mouth though, halfway through it, and the... the he's not
0: skeptical the, enough though.
1: Right, well then the mom before she marries him is incredibly skeptical of him and doesn't trust him at all, but then because this fucking old woman keeps pushing at her, then she's Kind of like, okay, fine.
0: I never Let really took it that she didn't trust
1: the guy. She just was like,
0: "Oh, it's just too quick to move into a new relationship."
2: Yeah, she says no, she, she knows she, he's she's she, here for the money. She, she, uh, yeah,
1: she says right off the bat, she's like, "You're a shyster but they, Exactly but why? They, that's when he that's when he comes up with the lie her. about like saying yeah, they, like, they "Oh, he told me that he
2: he told me he threw it in the river." In fact, I love the.
1: I thought her switch to being with him was very abrupt and very quick because she showed right off the bat that she was skeptical and the kids were skeptical but, but you're also from like... the
0: kids point of view so you're not really seeing how he how he like charms her you don't really get to see that too much
1: I guess it seems like he does it in like one evening overnight because the next day she's suddenly like ready to marry him and I mean she, the she had to move night...
0: fast Icy said you have to move fast or you're going to lose that
2: catch Yeah, <laughs> everyone's going to want to be with that guy
0: there's a lot of fishing in this movie
2: (laughs) fishing for women fishing for fish
0: fishing for dead corpses
2: yeah i do love the uh yeah her husband icy's husband like makes me laugh because i don't know he's like he's a great like comic relief character like i always enjoy the preacher came that woman done run away she left those kids and he's like maybe we should give him some of this she's like brandy for a preacher and he's like yeah and then he starts drinking and she's like that's for medicinal purposes <laughs> he's just like he just gives like that goofy look of like i don't know like he's just such a goofy old man he's character. yeah
0: he's like i don't know how to fix problems
2: yeah like he's he, he, that, yeah you 100 percent get the sense that like he's just used to his wife doing everything for him like making decisions for him because he's like yeah she's so uh she's so like over the top and in charge that he just doesn't know how to react to things he's like i don't know you tell me how to do it He's that.
1: He's like that dad in that movie that we watched recently. Yeah, where he just like is in the corner, like watching the TV, and he's like, "Good luck, son. Hope you find love."
0: That's the Halloween ends.
2: Yeah, he's that. It's a dad. lot yeah. like
0: Halloween kills though, when they turn the town against the, the him.
2: Yeah, which yeah, that's that's another like uh like yeah when that character I see at the end after she was the like yeah she's the person that that was pushing so hard for her to marry him and then she's the one that's immediately like we've got to lynch him we gotta kill that man look at what he did to those poor children like and she's the one that's freaking out she, there's that great she has the axe like <laughs> while they're all walking down the yeah they're all walking down the street and she's got the axe and yeah, he's got a noose i love the guy
1: who it's the guy whose job it is he's the hangman for the town and at the start oh, of the movie and he and he's like i'm so sad this is my job like it's really not fun <laughs> i really don't want to do this anymore and they're like are you gonna retire and he's like well i think i'm gonna have to i just don't know if i can do this anymore and then the movie comes full circle to the end and they approach and they're like do you want to hang this motherfucker and he's like do i i am well, on board for to. this <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, but he was excited about it. He's like, "Hell yeah!" I'm well, it was a bad. It was a
0: truly a truly bad person. You know, he's seeing yeah, lives was, torn apart. Was, yeah, but was, I do like the, the fact that he has the a best nice callback. Yeah, he has a nice house and everything. <laughs> and this is the Great Depression. Yeah. You know, he needs hey, killings he needs to make business. that money.
2: Well, if someone's <laughs> making money, it's the hangman. Yeah, that's 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 maybe like one of the best. Uh, like, yeah, to go full. A full hour and a half in between, like, this... Because he's not even a character that pops up at all throughout the story. He's literally just in the first ten minutes of coming home, and, yeah, he's, like, talking to his wife about, like, and looks at his kids, and he's, like... Washing his hands. Yeah, this is rough life. And then they just come full circle... Yeah, like you are saying, full circle all the way to the end of the film, and he's just so thrilled with it. See, that's a
1: character that if somebody... Like Soderbergh or Wes Anderson was was shooting, they would go get like the biggest named actor they could just for those. Just scenes. to do, yeah, just to do one scene.
0: <laughs> it would be George Clooney.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, George Clooney as the Hangman.
1: I
0: I also don't know how it was during the Great Depression, but I like that they the two. It's
1: depressing. Jail
0: jailmates that they put together was a guy that did a double homicide with a person that committed grand theft auto. Like it seems like. <laughs> I mean, I guess 30 days is a lot, but it seemed kind of petty to be putting him with somebody that's on death row.
1: Maybe they were in like that in between prison, like the holding prison before you go to like your final prison. <laughs> the final prison. They, they like doing that.
0: Cuz I mean, I mean, at least from this area or my dad, he's he's been in the prison system. He's he's been in prison before. It's just uh, the state prison versus the county. The county prison gets all the you know, couple years, people, or like you said, it's more like a holding prison. I have Somebody also committed been to prison. a murder. <laughs> <laughs> but the state, but the state prisons, like the lifers and the people that have the, done well, the most serious crimes.
1: I think it's yeah. I think you go to jail, and then when you're doing your final, you go to prison. Like there is a difference between jail and prison.
0: Well, jail's like holding, and yeah, prison's like you're sentenced.
1: So I, I went to county jail for marijuana possession. So that was in Daytona beach. And they had me in there with like a guy who stabbed somebody with a fork who told me his whole story. And I was like, very <laughs> fascinated. I was like, do tell, continue telling me the story. I'm like, okay.
2: Like you better I was be fascinated. Or you'll be next.
1: Uh, I, I did surprisingly well in jail. I was not worried.
2: I mean, it also,
0: <laughs> this movie did remind me a little bit too, of out of sight. Because Out of Sight had that same, like, they're learning something in prison and they got to get out of prison to get this money slash
1: diamonds, you know? I, I One thing about this.
0: It's the movie that ties all the movies together that we've done. All of them. It's,
1: there you go. <laughs> but um, I really wish that people would stop telling me that old films are noir. And I don't mean that you guys said it, but, like, when i read the description for this movie they were like the noir classic and i'm just like noir is a genre like it's a genre like of detective type stuff like it's not i know it can be a visual style but like when i think of noir films i think of like old like detective films and shit like that i think that. that's like, the problem these, all with all film noir it doesn't have like
0: a it doesn't have a solid definition and there's different types of things that can fit into it but like the so heart it lighting, did have a solid ha-
1: definition it,
0: it, no because like no it's you can have easy. like all yeah you can have awful it's usually you're following characters that are like terrible people. so it doesn't necessarily have to be a detective because like blood on the moon that I'll make us do at some point it's a western noir
2: and there's the not much like Liberty balance is either. almost a western noir too.
1: Because when you do cyber noir, it almost entirely is like old school detective stuff. Like, a very like I mean, Blade Runner's cyber noir that follows a lot of like that old school detective kind of quality. Yeah, or like my one of my favorite
0: ones, uh, the Naked Kiss. There is it's a detective story, but it's also not the prime focus. It's like the B story.
1: Because see, I would never tell anybody that this is a noir film, and I guess you're saying that it's it's a filming style, not necessarily like a genre in the way that I thought of it. Cause I think of this, like you said, like it's a thriller. It's like a, like horror movie slash thriller kind of thing. I wouldn't call it a horror movie cause it's too grounded in reality, but it's definitely like a thriller for sure. Like, and it, it's so unique for the time period that you see so much influence from this movie carrying over to all these other films. You know, it's interesting. I made the same analogy when we were watching um, out of sight, And uh, I said that I didn't really care for it, not because I couldn't recognize it for what it was, but because that it was like a template in a lot of ways for how much of the heist genres that came out after it borrowed from and utilized that watching it felt like a trope. So it didn't really feel as original to me as if I had seen it when it first came out and it would have had a stronger impact on me when it first came out. But I feel like when I watch really, really old films like this and like older black and white films and stuff like that, films that are definitely genre defining films that instead of looking at them the way that I did out of sight, that I'm able to see the impact and what they bring to the table, but that I'm able to enjoy the experience with them a lot more and recognize them as their own individual films and not feel like all the future tropes that exist from its existence affect my ability to look at it and enjoy it does that seem weird or does that make sense
0: i it makes sense i think i know what you're saying
2: that like sometimes a movie just doesn't seem original once you've seen it redone so many times that you almost don't even realize oh this was the first version you just think like Oh, it's another clone. Oh, wait, this one came out 20 years before that, all the other ones.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, but... you think there's something special there, but you, you've you seen it before because everything has copied it.
2: I, I do have
0: a similar feeling, though, when I went to film school, there's a lot of movies that they were like, see this, see this, see this, see this, see this, see this, and you're studying it, and you don't really get to enjoy them too much because you're tr- just breaking them apart. And there's a lot of movies, right. a lot of them, like this one that I've watched through the Criterion Collection, I've gotten interested in these directors and I started watching their movies. And, like, for example, I, rem- I didn't see the movie, but I remember everybody was talking shit on the tin drum and they're like, the tin drum, it's long, it's fucked up, it's not that good of a movie. And then I saw that movie, and I'm like, that was a f- great movie. I don't really know what anyone was talking about. Like, yeah, it's a little fucked up, but it's German. <laughs>
1: but you don't hate anything, so.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I really do. You're going to <laughs> find that out.
1: You're going to find that out
0: pretty soon, wall. I think.
2: That's his, his only movie. That's dude. his
1: only hatred. Well, we, this wall. entire.
0: <laughs> oh, there's plenty of movies that I, I've hated but a lot of times whenever we're doing this podcast and somebody picks a movie that they love i'm not there to tear it apart i mean i'll bring up things that bother me but i'd rather I listen am. to the person that enjoys the enjoys the shit out I'm, of that i'm movie. here to
1: question you and judge you into the ground
0: <laughs> so here's where my judgment comes from mostly it's not it's not people not liking things it's people not giving things a chance Right, it's I people that say I don't want to. Wa-. Although I am guilty of it to some degree, there are definitely movies where I'm like, I, I don't want to watch that Adam Sandler movie, and like you have, you have yeah, to. I'm like I. There's well, really I think... nothing that's appealing to me in this, unless like I start hearing a lot of great things about this Adam Sandler comedy that goes back to like no what I liked about his. You're movies. absolutely
1: right. Like you guys, like with the Marvel stuff, like I said, I'm not watching Marvel movies anymore. It's not that there's not good Marvel movies; it's that they're all the same movie and I just have no interest in watching that movie. It's the same with avatar. Like I'm not interested in watching stuff I've seen before. doesn't mean that there's not value in it or that it's not good or any of that, but that I've had a point in my life where I don't know if I can give the time that it takes for these things to those things anymore. Cause I just there, I find it dull and I find it hard to sit through and I'm too old to watch everything. Well, I'm
0: personally going to be pretty excited when we return to Marvel to do all the movies that we've not done since, like <laughs> Spider-Man like on... Far From Home. Because I do have a a feeling, it's a really weird thing. I've seen all the Marvel movies up to date. And there's some that have excited me. But for the most part, I haven't been, like I was really interested in the new Black Panther, but it was more about what they were going to do and how they are going to handle it. Right. Um, And I really did like Sam Raimi's, Doctor Strange but a lot of them like Black Widow was like not that excited like I wasn't excited to see the movie and then when I saw the movie I could still find good things about it but it really was not a good not a good movie like as far as the superhero genre goes of knowing all the slate of films that have are announced to come out in the next couple of years I can't think of one right now off the top of my head that I'm like I am dying to see that movie not one
1: yeah, well, I'm not interested in like pretty much most of what I see. I don't, you know, you only really win me over when you present me like weird animation and stuff. Like Marcel the Shell, like I was like beyond excited to see, and I still haven't seen it. But like that's one movie that I that saw have trailer been your, for. That
0: should have been your pick for one-time director.
1: Is that a one-time director?
0: I'm assuming.
1: I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't. But... I don't know.
0: I did buy that movie, but I did not watch it yet.
1: I'm saying like that's the kind of thing that you drop stuff like that. That's what gets me excited, like weird animation styles, different kind of things. I th- I think that Glass Onion looks good. Um, I, I, I like that movie a lot. I tend to like stuff that's more grounded in reality, even though I also are like really really weird and out there and absurd kind of thing. So,
0: like that. Um, there's been a f- very few movies that have done it. Where like the one I think of off the top of my head is um drag me to hell yeah when I saw drag me to hell like within the first 10 minutes and I'm like oh man it's a it's a Sam Raimi evil dead movie is what it is and I was just so excited with that specific genre that he went for and I know a lot of people are like this is goofy this is this is dumb and I'm like I loved it I laughed the whole like the entire movie like everything about it was perfect to me
1: um I actively I just like watch and buy Fast and the Furious movies, so and well, those, they're, are, they're a those are they're Terrible the films, like I mean, there is a big portion of them that aren't worth watching. But I'm like invested in those, and I, I, we'll, you cover, know that,
0: we'll cover all those too.
1: You know what makes One them day. interesting in comparison to a Marvel film? Family, is that, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's that I really don't know what's coming. Like those movies, as bad as they are, I have no idea how how you're gonna make the next one or what you could possibly get. They're not to all
0: me. bad, but the quality is like a roller coaster ride from but, movie to movie. You but like with a Marvel, a really
1: good one or not? With a Marvel movie, I know exactly what that film's gonna give me. Like every single time. Although
0: Fast and Furious is kind of like Marvel in the sense that oh, absolutely every
1: every movie
0: has like ten more big
1: actors in it. Yeah, and they're pointless. They're just pointless action films. I mean, I like pointless action movies. I'm I'm t- I'll, I'll always here for like pointless fun. But I I still
0: love the last one, like the the Fast Nine or whatever the hell. Fast Nine. Yeah. That Fast was the Nine, worst one. So Fast Nine had a terrible story, but there was they're trying to incorporate these flashbacks to give Vin Diesel this brother. And there's this great flashback <laughs> yeah, where, yeah. where they where they race, and his brother loses, and his brother just like. Screams and drives away, and and it's I think it's supposed to be melodramatic, but it's mel uh mellow me- hilarious to me. It's like the funniest thing in the world, and I think they set it up as like that's the last time I saw my brother, <laughs> I'm like driving yeah around, driving away like a little bitch just
1: screaming. You know what the best Fast and the Furious movie is? Hobbs and Shaw. That's no, the best it's... Fast and the Furious movie.
0: That, that's that's not even Fast five. and Furious movie. That's just one that they present.
1: Five is there. really good. But Hobbs and Shaw is excellent. It's probably the best of the genre. So
0: how did, we, how did I we know. go from Knight of the Hunter to The Vast and the Furious?
1: I just I think I think we were having a discussion about I don't know what. We can get back to it though. Uh, you know, there's, there's,
2: other, there's there's one other. There's not a lot
0: of action scenes in Knight of the Hunter, which it's but just. But the ones
1: slow, that it has are t- t- really good.
0: Some of it, like I. I like the the shot where they're getting into the boat, and he's found them. And he didn't exactly cut them off, cut the kids off, but like there's really good tension there, where the kid's trying to help his little sister get into that boat while Robert Mitchum's like tangled in fucking weeds, or as we would call them in this area, jagger bushes, and. Um, <laughs> And when he finally does get to him, he's like, he's almost like, like Chuck said, home alone. He's like a foot away, but he's like slipping in mud and stuff. And then he's like, <laughs> I like that he can't reach the kids, and they finally get out into the river. And when they do the close up of of Robert Mitchum, he's like, son of a bitch, and he's got a switchblade out. Like it's it's such a <laughs> funny
1: shot. He's like he's like Christopher Lloyd and Dennis the Menace.
0: he he is i mean christopher (laughs) christopher lloyd and dennis the menace is is actually quite menacing of a character he is quite a scary character at least from the perspective of a child
1: yeah he's hideous looking too there's
0: no be no eating beans and farting and all that shit no
1: no we didn't cross that line
0: yeah i mean but this like there's a feast at that one moment where he's like, we can eat after we reveal our
2: secrets. <laughs> as soon as we all just tell each other our secrets, we can all Oh, and he's food. such an
0: asshole too when he tells that kid, he's like, you're telling your mom this and I'm telling your mom that. But the only difference between what you say and what I say is that she believes what I say. And it's like such a an awful moment because I think she really does trust his opinion first because of that traditional the you know the man of the house and he's she's gotta stand by her man
1: but it also breaks the kid's ability to feel like he can trust his mother even if he could trust her he's oh i mean yeah she comes existence. home
0: to he hears she hears what's said outside the window and you know basically after that she gets murdered for finding out the truth essentially yeah I also like little things, too, like moments of tension when the little girl's like cutting up the money because she's, I don't know, child. That was really <laughs> funny. D- she's doesn't making know paper any dolls. Better. And he's like trying to, the, the brother is trying to help her get all that stuff back and all the money back in the doll as Robert Mitchum's like coming out of the house. And he's that dark silhouette again like, hey, what do you kids got over there? And it's the money that he's looking for. And he just keeps inching his way closer and closer it's like an it's another good movie moment where it's so tense as to is he gonna find it at this moment
1: the the best part of that shot too i don't know if you caught that was remember she took two of the bills and cut up like Mm -hmm. paper dolls into them they didn't stick those two into the the doll and he's standing there at the porch and you can see the two paper dolls blow past his legs Mm -hmm. underneath the porch and he doesn't catch that it's money I thought that was pretty well done. I was like, oh, man, they're going to get fucked with those paper dolls. I thought those paper dolls were even going to come back again. Like he was going to realize like she's playing with the money.
0: Well, even in the moment where they're like the money's in the basement, I kind of felt that they would, I don't know, put some of the bills there to be like, you got to keep digging to find the money and use that as like an escape plan. But the kids didn't really think it through. He's like, this is fucking concrete floor
2: yeah the, yeah the way that that's another like great comedic line he goes he says it like uh his character in this movie is very much foghorn leghorn like in, yeah. in a lot of ways and he's like boy this is concrete here like <laughs> it's 100% like a like a you could just see that in like a in like a looney tunes cartoon of like like someone trying to trick him and be like no i say here boy this this here is concrete <laughs>
1: I didn't know what that kid was thinking at that point in the movie. I was like, you Well, it was him Alone. digging yourself there. into a corner.
2: No, he was getting
0: them in the spot so he could smash a bunch of jars on his head.
1: Well, I feel like he initially thought that he could get him to go down there and then just shut the door behind him and lock it. And then the, the guy's like, and you're going to come with me. And the kid's like, fuck. So then the kid's I mean, like caught in his kind of lie already.
0: The one shot makes me think of Halloween also where it's that exterior shot of the building and it's after the kids had locked him in the basement and he's, they run away and you just hear the sound of him beating down the door, beating down the door, beating down the door and you just know it's a matter of time before he busts it open. But it's such a long shot of just the fucking exterior of this house because it's like how close behind these kids is he going to end up being
1: well and then it it just uses the sound of the door like blowing apart essentially (laughs) like him bursting through it and then it cuts (laughs) the subtitles are like henry powell annihilates door
0: (laughs) it does it sounds like the hulk busted through the fucking door like you hear wood pieces flying
1: everywhere which that's an old door that would have been hard as fuck to break through Exactly. Like our doors today. That would have could... been
0: hardwood door that you would die. I, you would never I could thing open.
1: run through the doors in my house without even hurting myself. Yeah, it
0: probably had like a cast iron lock on it. <laughs> There's like yeah. no way
1: that the door would have... That's 55, man. When shit was they should have right. just
0: had him bust out the window because remember when they did that shot of uh, he's like, oh, kids and he's going into the house. That's when they're hiding in the basement. But the first shot you see of them is them peeking out the window in the basement it does that like that effect to like zoom in on them it you know blackens everything else out definitely robert mitchum's definitely a a hugely influential villain in this movie and he follows through into like slashers maybe abusive husbands on the lifetime channel and i think that this is something that i mean he's he's gotten so much work around this time but it's like i don't know why it's taken so long for people to kind of discover this movie or or get a liking to it.
1: I would have never heard of it if he didn't tell us to watch it.
0: Well, that's good. Uh it's a it's one of those movies too where people were like oh night of the hunter and the, the like the poster that you see is like just Robert Mitchum. I think the Criterion one's like him with a little girl with the
1: with the doll.
0: It's like if it wasn't even called Night of the Hunter, I wouldn't even maybe necessarily think that it was going to be such a dark movie.
1: Yeah, the name's terrible. It's it's, it's really terrible. Generic, like it's it. That's what makes it bad is that it's not like terrible, like you said. I mean, the title could be worse.
0: It could be called like Henry Powell, and you're like, what is that
1: about? I mean, there are the, plenty of the Moundsville
0: murder. I don't know what they call him.
1: It definitely doesn't tell you what you're getting into either. Like Night of the Hunter makes me think like maybe it's a story about. It. I thought it was going to be about Hunter.
0: He is a hunter. He's chasing his kids.
1: But I mean, like a, like a a game hunter not a
0: he's hu- child he's hunter a- well he's also hunting widows and he's a predator night of the predator
1: <laughs> they just called it night of the predator
0: this is the first predator before arnold
1: schwarzenegger's predator do you think this movie was influential on real killers
0: i kind of don't believe that the movies influence a killer so much i i think that that probably comes from them playing around with like killing small animals and stuff like that his favorite
1: movie was um, The Exorcist 3.
0: Well, there's two types of killers. There seems to be the killer that it's this habit that they can't escape from. And then there's the ones that want, and I think this mostly falls into like the mass shooter category. They're hoping that they get some sort of fame from it. Like they're going to be this recognizable name for this well, thing the, that they've done.
1: The guy in this movie is very Ted Bundy. Charming, easily wins people over, and then... And then you'd Engage. be like Ted
0: Bundy, what was your favorite movie? And he'd say, "It's A Wonderful Life."
1: Yeah, he probably would. Well, he didn't think he did anything, or he told people he didn't do anything. But I
0: mean, I full heartedly do not believe that movies really give people ideas. Or you know, when somebody does something violent, and they're like, "Well, you know, that kid's playing Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto,"
1: and I can tell you personally that I did things that I saw Beavis and Butthead do. <laughs> more than one occasion
0: did you choke on your chicken what are you saying
1: no but there was more than one time that we watched episodes of that and we started I- interacting and doing things from the episode that we probably shouldn't have done
0: maybe your parent should have stepped in and said that's not normal <laughs> don't do what these kids are doing yeah because i see people like it depends on how you raise people but I see parents that say, I don't want to show my kids any of this because they don't want to have the discussion with their kid. And then I see people that are like, oh, yeah, you know, I showed my (laughs) I showed my kid all the Friday the 13th movies. But we have a discussion about it and they know that it's it's not real and the things in it could hurt other people. You know what I mean? Like it's just a conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think
0: apparently not one your mom wanted to have with
1: you. Well, my mom, my mom was actually incredibly strict with um, my viewing habits. I wasn't allowed to watch anything with guns when I was a kid. Like G.I. Joe was off the books, any of that kind of stuff. So I didn't watch a lot of like the gun based kid shows growing up and I didn't have any toys or anything like that. And she let me watch horror movies, but like she went, as you get older, you get like this one and then this one and then this one. And then eventually like I got to like 12 or 13 and I had proven a genuine interest in film and I watched a lot of film where I studied the special effects. And so when I got to that age, my mom was at an understanding that I understand the difference between film and reality and that I watch most of these movies to learn and educate and like follow how things are done. So my mom, you know, let that leash go at a very young age, but also after spending years, like building that, grounding of like you will get there but you have to prove that you can get there kind of thing I but think i also feel like you said it, it you said it a little bit and
0: you know if you you'd already have to kind of be to some degree not able to tell the difference between reality or something
1: yeah yeah like i mean if you already are in that that place then these films could push things differently or push further or influence decisions and stuff like I definitely think the Columbine kids were influenced by some of the content that they were engaging in and watching, but I don't think that the content that they were engaging because I was watching the exact same content as them, and I didn't go and shoot up my school, but I still dealt with a lot of like bullying and being. I mean, we dealt with stuff like that
0: too, where I had somebody come in. It was like seventh or eighth grade, and the person brought up the Matrix as an example of of when Neo and um. Trinity end up killing all those innocent quote unquote innocent people, and I'm like, well, they just they say early in the movie that they're they're not necessarily innocent. They can become these agents that kill them, and the lady did not like that. <laughs> that I uh, argued that with her, but it's like, oh, trench coats and shit like that. I'm like, right? I don't know. I wish more people dressed like Robert Mitchum in this movie as the preacher.
1: I went to school on the day of Columbine and I was wearing a black trench coat, red, black and white camo pants, combat boots laced up on the outside of the pants and a Slayer baseball hat and like the school about lost their shit. And it's like, yeah, because they don't know. Like, it's like don't... they don't
0: they don't know how to process the information that they've been given.
1: It's like I didn't I didn't mean to come to school in this today. I didn't know that these kids were going to do this. OK, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be, but it, it was my winter jacket and it was my clothes. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not a school shooter. I just look like one. Why are you so <laughs> Well,
0: I'm glad that we're, you're clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I don't. I tried to look real quick to see if this, like anybody was like, oh, yeah, Night of the Hunter. It's my favorite movie. I'm sure it's like Martin Scorsese loves that movie. And he went out and just shot a bunch of movies.
1: It's very clear that this film had an influence on multiple filmmakers. There's a lot of stuff when you watch this. You're like, this is borrowed, this is borrowed, this is borrowed. Like, tons and tons of stuff when this movie. I was like, wow, like, I've seen this before, but never seen this before. Like, you know what I mean?
0: And like Chuck said, too, it's it's borrowing a lot from the silent film era. And it's like, they had colored film when this movie came out. But they choose they chose to go with a very distinct look. And I think style. the black
1: and white looks excellent in it. And like I guess that's the noir filming style, but like the harsh contrasts, like the heavy blacks, the heavy whites, like it looks really good.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And if anyone's interested in it, it's uh it's in the Criterion collection, probably on the Criterion channel, and it's on Tubi if you want to watch it
1: for free right now. It it does have ads and they do come in at terrible spots.
0: Well, that's because I think those things don't um, – there's nobody there that's like, here's a good point. I think they just like are randomly like, fuck it, uh, 15 minutes in, <laughs> wherever it is in the movie. I don't care if it's mid-conversation. That's where this commercial is going to show up.
1: I will say the ads for the 2B1, like same as last time, they seem to be mostly at the start, and then they just kind of fuck off for the end. So,
0: As they should be but it's uh it might even be on did, did you try hbo max cuz they had a bunch of movies that were in the criterion collection
1: yeah i searched um it specifically said the only thing it was on was Tubi or pluto television so
0: well i'm interested in the next two movies cuz i don't own either of them to see I where would, i can watch them probably hopefully they're all on something free like that
1: i was curious if this film is public domain or not
0: isn't Public Domain have to be 100 years?
1: No, because Night of the Living Dead was Public Domain for fucking ever. That's the whole reason he did the remake. No, that's because the, they messed the,
2: that up. Yeah, Just that was they their fault. Because to for copyright it.
1: Copyright it. But, I mean, the film got into it really easy, really I quick. I think, so.
0: for sure, Public Domain co- like naturally goes into effect after 100 years.
1: It goes into effect when you don't keep up on your copyright doesn't matter how long it is
0: if you have the no if you have a copyright for 101 years it's it expires you you lose it you can't keep it you can't keep it forever
1: but i mean like things don't always have 100 year copyrights so like sometimes stuff goes into it really quick that you wouldn't well that's like
0: they're um one of the big ones is frankenstein and it's we're getting really close on the 100 year anniversary where that will be Free actually, all the universal monsters are going to be start following suit right after that. Huh. But, um, yeah, that's the general role for everything books and music. But everything that you guys picked are a lot newer. I, um, I haven't watched Lexi's cho- choice in 20 years. <laughs> did you or see it longer. when it came out? I saw it as a like a VHS rental. So, whenever oh, that would be,
1: you did not even see it in the theater no you didn't give tom money
0: i didn't give him money and he needed it for his testicle
1: (laughs) he definitely needed it
0: (laughs) and then i have no idea what chuck's thing is it looks like a documentary about disney or something
1: it's we were talking about it i don't know if i should give it away or not but uh you
0: shouldn't give it away Uh, it's it's chuck's decision how he wants to tease and set that up but it's chronological so what are we doing next week lexi
1: uh, we are doing Freddy Got Fingered, directed by the great Tom Green, one of Canada's most precious treasures to ever live.
0: Your obsession with these Canadians.
1: I am obsessed with Tom Green. You have no idea. You have no idea what you're getting into with that. <laughs> Rachel says living with me is like living with Tom Green sometimes.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment.
1: I take it as one, but.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. everyone else sees it as like a, a backhanded remark and you're like, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: I am. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. I'm not going to complain. My first time ever hearing about Tom Green and seeing Tom Green.
0: You don't want to save this for the Tom Green episode?
1: No, no, I'll, I'll show this here. Okay. Was There's a show in Canada called Jono Vision, which if you're familiar with Trailer Park Boys, Jono is... Um, J Rock on the show, the the white rapper, and he used to host a kids show, and he had Tom Green on, and all I did was watch this weird white guy run into the audience with bags of milk, and spray milk all over the audience. This is
0: exactly what I'm talking about. Where like you start talking about something and it just sounds like made up. <laughs> it doesn't sound remotely real,
1: and that that that. He just kind of said some random words and all the kids were ecstatic that he was there and then he ran off the stage and that was it. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And then time went on and we figured out who he was and what he is. He's very unique. We're going there next week. the, the The thing about Tom Green is there is so much comedy that exists today that would not exist without Tom Green. And despite how he might've performed or what have you, like you would not have Jackass. You would not have Eric Andre. You would not have like so much modern comedy. If it wasn't for the existence of Tom green, he really was a pioneer of the genre.
0: I can't wait to get into it. I, I mean that I, I do.
1: I, I have so much to say.
0: <laughs> I'm very interested in the next couple episodes.
1: I, I am very, very interested in the conversation that will come up from Chuck's film. Cause even me and Chuck's conversation that we were having was getting interesting and it was funny cause I literally had this conversation that me and Chuck had with Rachel like two days ago, cause we were talking about that film and she was making fun of it. Cause she, she hates it. She's just like it's one of the worst things I've ever seen, but she had to watch it cause of what it was interesting conversation for sure
0: uh hopefully we have an interesting conversation next week and the week after until then guys everyone that's listening thank you for listening we really appreciate it and and my hosts don't really want to say anything i guess i don't
1: know no you're good you're ending this you're the Uh, you're the host you're supposed to wrap this shit up
0: i i I was trying and then you were talking about tom green (laughs) wrap it up okay (laughs) Consider this episode wrapped. Thank you, everyone.
1: Bye.
2: All right. That was our episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Leaning.
2: Leaning. Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning. Leaning. What a joy divine
0: Leaning
2: on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning on Jesus Leaning on Jesus Safe and secure from all alarms. Lean, Jesus, lean, Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Shame on you, Ruby, running around the house after
1: that mad dog of a man. Ruby, go get the children out of bed and bring them down here. Women are such germ-fools.
0: <laughs> it's a hard world for a little thing.